Praise the Lord. Welcome in, everyone, to another Sower of Seeds podcast. I'm your host, Ted Johnson. And as always, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our kind and gracious, loving Heavenly Father, God, I thank you, Lord, for this day. And I thank you, God, for salvation. I thank you for mercy. And I thank you for grace. Thank you for life, dear God, and thank you for health. God, I thank you for every wonderful gift, dear God, that you have given us. And Lord, I pray, God, that you will just, God, just touch my mind and my lips, Lord, and just speak through me the words, dear God, that you would have us to know, Lord, that we may get closer to you and understand you better, dear God, and, and just, Lord, just be blessed by you. Lord God, I just thank you for this podcast, and I thank you, Lord, for each and every one, dear God, that is involved in getting this out to the whole world. Lord, just bless them and use them in a great and mighty way. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs> We're getting ready to come in for podcast. I told my wife, I said, I'm going to go in and get everything started up. And I uh, said, I'm going to go to the bathroom and, and uh, start everything up. And I'm going to try to figure out exactly which way I'm going to go today. Uh, I was uh, studying yesterday. I studied on um, where we left off from the, from the time before. And then I got up this morning and, uh, well, actually, it started last night. Uh, the uh, recovering soldiers were at our church and they, they kept uh, saying this one thing and talking about the talents and uh, it was I was praying this morning and that came back to me so I'm right now I'm, I'm trying to uh, basically <laughs> wait upon the Lord and, and figure out just exactly which way that he wants me to go you know I, I love it when uh, when these times come that when I sit down I don't know exactly which way I'm going, but I've got several different ways to go because in the end, I know that it's going to be the Lord that's going to show me exactly what it is that he would have me to go. And the good thing about it is, is I've got notes on both of them. But, you know, as as the, the one that brought the message last night for the recovering soldiers, I can't remember his name, but as he was, he was talking about... Uh, that day that he had uh that he had basically uh not studied for the message that night he says matter of fact he said i went to the gym and he spent spent about two and a half two two to three hours in the gym he said when i should have been studying and he said i i knew better but he said i also knew that the lord would have my back he he wouldn't leave me without a message and uh you know, it, it is funny, but when when you get to the point to where that you say, God, use me in whatever way that you want to use me, whatever you want me to do, just let me do, let me know and I'll do it. The Lord will never leave you. He will test you. He will, if it is uh, in ministering as in preaching or teaching, he will bring you right up to the second. I mean, you will you will get everything 
ready, you will step behind the podium, you will sit down behind the mic, you will sit down in front of a, a group uh, in your Sunday school class, and you will sit down there, and you have no idea what you're going to do, what you're going to speak on. Been there many a time. But you know what? A lot of times, that is when the best message comes out. It's the one that you have no idea how to prepare for. You don't know what you're going to say, but you get up and you obey the Lord, and then the Lord takes over because you have no idea what you're going to do. That's one of those times when the message really comes from the Lord, and it, it, nine times out of ten, it's the best message, which, which uh, if it be a, a preaching, if you're preaching or you're teaching, this is the time that you get the best message. But we're going to continue with uh, where we was at the other day in uh, Numbers, starting in uh, chapter 34. And we, uh, we are getting ready to go into Canaan, the land of uh, milk and honey, the land that uh, God had promised Abraham. And we are getting to ready to go into that land and... Basically, the Lord is telling Moses exactly um, where all the land is going to be and exactly how much land that they've got so that he will have an idea of when they get ready to start uh, assigning the properties, they will know just exactly how far to go and and not go over their boundaries. Now remember, uh, the tribe of Reuben and the tribe of Gad and uh, half a tribe of Manasseh are still are going to stay on this side of the Jordan, but all the men that are of age to fight in the battles, they're going to go over and they're going to help all the other tribes take their possessions and drive out everybody in the land and, and take their possession. But in chapter 34, Numbers, starting in verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye come into the land of Canaan, this is the land that shall fall unto you for an inheritance, even the land of Canaan which with the coast thereof. Then your south quarter shall be from the wilderness of Zin, along by the coast of Edom, and your south border shall be at outmost coast of the Salt Sea eastward, and your border shall turn from the south to the ascent of Akrabim and pass on to Zin. And the going forth thereof shall be from the south to Gadesh Barnea, and shall go unto Hazar Adder, and pass on to Asmon. And the border shall fetch a compass from Asmon unto the river of Egypt, and the goings out of it shall be at the sea. And as for the western border, ye shall even have the great sea for a border. This shall be your west border, and this shall be your northern border from the great sea. Ye shall point out for you Mount Hor. From Mount Hor ye shall point out your border unto the entrance of Hamath, and the goings forth of the border shall be to Zedad. 
and the border shall go on to Ziphron, and the goings out of it shall be at Hazar Enan. This shall be your north border. And ye shall point out your east border from Hazar Enan to Shephan, and the coast shall go down from Shephan to Ribla on the east side of An, and the border shall descend and shall reach unto the side of the sea of Chinnereth eastward. And the border shall go down to Jordan, and the goings out of it shall be at the salt sea, and this shall be your land with the coast thereof round about. Now then, I got to uh, investigating <laughs> and uh, trying to figure out just exactly how big this land was. And I came up, uh, I found one place on the internet that said that the, the land that God had promised him was about 60,000 square miles. This was, this was a huge land that the Lord had blessed them with. But, but now you have to remember, there's probably million, million and a half people. So when you get spreading out the biggest part of a million people over uh, 60,000 square miles, uh, it's going to take the land up real quick. But it was... Uh, 144 miles in length and 40 miles across at the southern border and 20 miles across at the northern border. And this was the land that they was going to inhabit. This is the land that, that God had promised Abraham hundreds of years before the children of Israel got to the place where they are right now, which they should have went in and possessed this land 40 years before this point and those came back with a negative report uh they didn't go in and take it so god cursed them and wouldn't let them go in and take the promised land so now then they are getting ready to go in and the lord is describing to them exactly where the land is where their borders are and exactly how much land they got and Moses commanded the children of Israel, saying, This is a land which ye shall inherit by lot, which the Lord commanded to give unto the nine tribes and to the half-tribe. For the tribe of the children of Reuben, according to the house of their fathers, and the tribe of the children of Gad, according to the house of their fathers, have received their inheritance, and half the tribe of Manasseh have received their inheritance." The two tribes and a half-tribe have received their inheritance on this side Jordan, near Jericho, eastward, toward the sun rising. So Lord, Moses, telling, Moses is telling the children of Israel, said, this is, this is your land. This is the land that God has promised to you. Now then, he, he wouldn't let, uh, he kept all these these different people that were in this land. He kept all these people in here for one simple reason. He knew it was going to be a long time before the children of Israel were uh, ready to go in and to take the land. 
So they, he left those people in there to work the land so that it wouldn't uh, grow up and, and be all brambles and, and stuff, and it'd take them years to clear it off before they could ever start uh, their farming or grazing their herds or anything like that. And also because he didn't want any of the wild animals to run loose in it, and he didn't want them to have to fight them uh, when they went in as long as... Uh, as and along with clearing all, everything out. So he left all these people in here. Now then, it's the children of Israel's uh, duties at this point in time. When they go over the Jordan River, they have to take this land from all these different people and nations that live in it now. God told him that he would give this land to them. He will also give these, this people to him. And let me tell you something, children of God. It doesn't matter what's coming against you. It doesn't matter how bad it seems. It doesn't matter uh, what it is. God will take care of it. But we have got to let him take care of it. Whether he uses us or he uses somebody else, ever how that he wants to do it, we have to let him work. I know uh, one of our biggest things as mankind is we don't like to ask for help and we don't like charity. We don't like people giving us uh, money or cars or whatever. We don't like that. But let me tell you, when we need help, God will give us help any way that he chooses. And we need to accept that help and we need to, to embrace it and we need to use it for our, God's glory, not our glory, but God's glory. See, we we want to we want to uh, have everybody to look at us and say, "Look what I've done." You know, I I have worked hard for this and uh, this house and these cars and everything, and and I have paid a lot of money for uh, this house and this this car and all this. But listen. If God had not allowed you to have that job and make that money, you wouldn't have those things that you have, and they're not yours. They're God's. He's just letting us use them to make our life more comfortable while we're here upon this earth. You know, we've got to realize just exactly who we are. We are children of God. Our Father owns everything. He owns this world. He owns everything in this world. He made it. He created it. And he created it so that we could enjoy it. But we need to remember that he's it, he owns it all. It's his. He's just letting us use what is here to make our life comfortable. The children of Israel are going into this land. They're going to go in and the Lord is going to use them to take this land back from these people that are in it and the Lord is going to use them to cultivate this land and to farm this land. This is a land that is flowing with milk and honey. Yes, there is going to be some strings attached. We're going to get into that a little later. <clears throat> but, you know, the Lord has, I guess, uh, stipulations uh, that he has on uh, things of, of us. There's, the Bible is full of blessings that are ours, that the Lord wants to give us. But there is also stipulations that we have to abide by and rules that we have to abide by in order for us to get those things. When the day when we are saved, 
that's you know we we need not to expect that god is going to just hand us everything on the day that we give our heart and life to him it's not going to happen we're going to have to prove ourselves worthy to receive the blessings of god we're going to have to prove to him that we will use what he gives us for his glory not our glory so you know i've said before you know, a lot of things that God, a lot of blessings that God gives us, if we, if we don't watch it and we don't use them in the right way, they will become a curse to us instead of a blessing. And this, this land that uh, God is going to give the children of Israel, if they're not very careful, this land will become a curse to them instead of a blessing. Now then, now then, the Lord told Moses, well, let me read this, in chapter uh, 34 and verse 16. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, These are the names of the men which shall divide the land unto you, Elzar the priest, and Joshua the son of Nun. And ye shall take one prince of every tribe to divide the land by inheritance. In other words, Joshua the son of Nun and Elzar the priest is going to be the main ones over dividing this land among the children of Israel. Now then, uh, if you remember, when we were talking about uh, making the priest clothes, we, we talked about the uh, breastplate. That it was, I believe it was nine inches square. And it was it was folded over to make a pouch, and inside this breastplate was the ermine and the thummin. And uh, for lack of a description in God's word or anywhere else, uh, we will think of these things uh, like dice. Uh, they were cast. Um, I don't know if, like I said, there is very little information on these anywhere that you can find. So I'm. This is my speculation. They they were cast to help to make decisions, and possibly were marked some way or another, so that the way that they fell, uh, whoever was casting these would know that this this is the right answer. When the priest got up, to, got to a point to where that they had a question before the Lord, and they could not answer the questions themselves, and uh, they were really needing some help, they they were they were asking God for for directions and all this stuff. They would take these this uh, if I'm saying this right, ermine and thummin. And they would cast these, and that would help them to make their decision. Well, more than likely, these are the same lots that are going to be cast to dis to determine the land that uh, exactly what parcel of land that each tribe of the Israelites got and where it was at. And that's the reason why that uh, that and and. Basically, that Elzar was after God's own heart, and he was he was following God, and he 
<coughs> he didn't follow man and he wouldn't do it uh you know do it by preference or anything like that it was going to be god's way or no way at all so he was the one that was going to possibly him and and uh joshua was going was going on just going to be casting lots now then the children the other 12 they would possibly be going to uh maybe side out the land and pick out the best land for their tribe or something like that you know this is one of those things where the Bible doesn't say exactly how everything was done. And, you know, we we think about the way that things are done today. And if we are going to uh, buy a piece of property, uh, we we go and look at that property and we we will walk around it and we will we will find out whether or not that it will suit our purposes or not. And by that, then, then we'll know that we, that's one we want. And if we figure, well, that that's not going to be a good place for me, so we go on to another piece of property. Maybe that was basically the same way that these, these twelve. Uh, this that's the part that they they played is they got to choose exactly what piece of land that they would like to have, and. Uh, then the Lord, then they would cast lots, and, and the Lord would let the lots fall to tell them, yes, you can have this piece of land, or no, you could not. But this was this was going to be a process that was going to take a long time because, first of all, they had to go in and they had to drive all these people out or uh, get rid of all the people that was on the land, and, and then they could go in and possess the land and and be where that they the Lord wanted them to be. And uh, verse sixteen through twenty nine, twenty eight uh, tells about all the different princes, the twelve or nine, nine ten princes. Tells their names and of what family they are. Now then. Now then the Lord tells Moses, he said, all right, said, if you get in there and everybody gets situated, the land's picked out and the people starts building their cities and everything, we need to set aside 48 cities for the Levites. Now then, when we go into, when we start studying on our talking about this, these cities are to be set up in a particular way. And here again, God has got a plan in mind, and he is about to tell the children of Israel exactly how he wants this plan carried out. And there again, the plan needs to be carried out just exactly the way that the Lord has put it down to be carried out. Now then, are we going to make it to heaven? Are we going to uh, be children of God? And, and are we going to live the life that we should be living? If we want to go to heaven, we, we better be. But we're going to have to live it according to God's plan, not our plan. It's not an easy life to live. It, it, it does get hard sometimes. 
But you always remember that the Lord is always right there with you at any time that you need help with anything. All you have to do is ask. So now then, verse, now see, chapter 35, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho, saying, Command the children of Israel that they give unto the Levites of the inheritance of their possessions cities to dwell in, and ye shall give also unto the Levites suburbs for the cities round about them. And the cities shall they have to dwell in, and the suburbs of them shall be for their cattle and for their goods and for all their beasts. And the suburbs of the city, which ye shall give unto the Levites, shall reach from the wall of the city and outward a thousand cubits round about. Now then, remember when the Lord set the tribes in order as to where he wanted them to camp when the tabernacle was set up. Now then, he's telling them, he said, when we get in to the promised land, I want you to give 48 cities to the Levites. Now these cities are going to be set up around your walled cities. See, the Levites, they were the ones that were right outside of the tabernacle on all four sides. That, that's where they camped, was all four sides of the tabernacle. And then the children of Israel were then camped around them in the places that the Lord told them to be. Now then, he said, when, when you get in there and you build your walled cities, I want you to give Levites 48 cities. These cities are going to be on the outside of your walled cities. From the, from the wall of your city out uh, uh, 2,000 cubics. So from, from the wall of the city outward, all the way around that city, for 2,000 cubics is going to belong to the Levites. Now this was 3,666.67 feet from the border of the city all the way around the city, this was going to belong to the Levites. That's, that's three, three, well, if you go by the sacred cubic, it's 3,648 feet. And this is on the, north, on the east side, the west side, the north side, and the south side, all the way around. That's where the children, the Levites are going to have their cities round about the walled cities in every one. And they're, they're different cities, so they're going to be in different places. In other words, um, if the tribe of Gad goes out and sets up a walled city and everything, the Levites are going to be around them. That land that is right around the outside of that wall belongs to them. So that's where they're going to be. There again. The, the Levites are uh, a, the people of God. They're the ones that uh, the Lord has chosen to do the work in the tabernacle. 
It's God's chosen people, so they are camped around the city. God is protecting that city. And they, these are for the Levites and for their cattle and, and uh, their goods and all their beasts and everything. This, this is their inheritance. So whatever city you go into, this you, you pick out. Well, I don't know exactly how that the Levites are going to be chosen as to where they live. We may get into that later. But God has got the thing, everything in plan. Now then, he said... And another thing, he said, among, And among the cities which ye shall give unto the Levites, there shall be six cities for refuge, which ye shall appoint for the manslayer, that he may flee thither, and to them ye shall add forty and two cities. So all the cities that are going to be to the Israelites is forty is uh, forty eight cities. Forty two of them are just normal cities for the Levites. Six of them are cities of refuge. This is when someone has killed someone, un, uh, basically by no fault of his own, by an accident. Uh, then he can flee to that city. He can stay there till uh, he gets to go before the the council, and then when they, he goes before the council, and they say, you know, that he he uh, he did not do this on purpose. He is not guilty of murder. He still yet has to go back to that city and live in that city until that priest dies. If he is caught at any time outside of that city, the uh, the slayer can take his life and not be held accountable. So we're going to start in verse 7. So all the cities which ye shall give to the Levites shall be forty and eight cities. Them shall ye give with their suburbs. And the cities which ye shall go which shall give shall be of the possession of the children of Israel from them that have many ye shall give many but from them that have few ye shall give few every one shall give of his cities unto the Levites according to his inheritance which he inheriteth speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them when ye come over Jordan into the land of Canaan then ye shall appoint you cities to be cities of refuge for you, that the slayer may flee thither, which killeth any person at unawares, or by accident, not intending to do it. And they shall be to you cities for refuge from the avenger, that the manslayer die not, until he stand before the congregation in judgment. And of these cities which ye shall give six cities shall be ye have for refuge. Ye shall give three cities on this side Jordan, and three cities shall ye give in the land of Canaan, which shall be cities of refuge. 
These six cities shall be a refuge both for the children of Israel and for the stranger and for the sojourner among them, that every one that killeth any person unawares may flee thither. And if he smite him with an instrument of iron so that he die, he is a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. And if he smite him with throwing a stone wherewith he may die, and he die, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. Or if he smite him with a hand, a hand weapon of wood, wherewith he may die, and he die, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. The revenger of blood himself shall slay the murderer. Then he meeteth him, when, when he meeteth him, he shall slay him. But if he thrust him but if he thrust him of hatred or hurl at him by laying in wait that he die, or in enmity smite him with his hand that he die, he that smote him shall surely be put to death, for he is a murderer. The the revenger of blood shall slay the murderer when he meeteth him. Now they're talking about if you do something with malice, if you if you intend to take somebody's life and you you get caught at it, you're going to die. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what that person done to you. It doesn't matter um, none, none of the circumstances. If you smite anybody in any way and they die, you're going to die too. The revenger of blood, when he comes upon you, he's going to take your life. So, you know, these were strict rules that they had. These are the rules that God has set down. And the thing about it is, though, is they had to be more than one witness before that anybody could be put to death. So, you know, we need, we need to be very careful about what we do. And we need to obey God's rules. And the children of Israel had to obey the rules. Okay, or smite him with the hand that he died. But if he thrust him of hatred or hurl at him by leaning or in him, but if he thrust him suddenly without empty or have cast upon him anything without laying in wait or with any stone wherein wherewith a man may die, seeing him not and cast it upon him that he die, and was not his enemy, neither sought his harm, then the congregation shall judge between the slayer and the revenger of blood according to these judgments. And the congregation shall deliver the slayer out of the hand of the revenger of blood, and the congregation shall restore him to the city of his refuge, whether he was fled. And he shall abide in it unto the death of the high priest which was appointed anointed with the holy oil but if the slayer at any time come without the border of the city of his refuge whether he was fled and the revenger of blood find him without the borders of the city of his refuge and the revenger of blood kill the slayer he shall not be guilty of blood 
because he should have remained in the city of his refuge until the death of the high priest. But after the death of the high priest, the slayer shall return unto the land of his possession. Now then, if you kill anybody, you went out with intent to kill somebody by whatever instrument, your hand or something else, you kill somebody, you're a murderer, you're going to be put to death. But now then, if you say you you and a brother was out working and uh, you caused something to fall and it fell on your uh, brother and it killed him, then you could flee to a city of refuge where that there would then be a hearing of the congregation and they would uh, say that you was either guilty of murder or not guilty of murder. And if they find you not guilty, you had to go back to that city of refuge that you fled, that you fled to and you had to live there until the high priest who was anointed with oil, until he passed away, and then when he passed away, you were able to go back to your inheritance, the land of your possession. You were allowed to go back there with no harm done. But now, if the time that you are living in that city of refuge and you go outside of that city of refuge, thank you, Lord, and the, the uh, revenger of blood finds you and kills you, he is, the revenger of blood is not guilty. Now then, we are guilty of a lot of things. All of our sins and everything that we had upon us, the Lord took upon him upon the cross of uh, Calvary. We have now a city that we are living in. It's a holy city. It is a city of refuge. It is a city that the Lord has made for us. It is called the Christian life. And it is a place to where that we need to be and we need to live. And if we go outside of that city, this that's outside of our Christian life, if we, get, if we do something and we get outside of that Christian life, then we, if we stay out there or we get caught out there by Satan, we could be dead and not know it. This is where that we need to stay in the center of God's will. This is where we need to really put our trust in the Lord and not worry about everything else that's going on in this world because the Lord is in complete control of everything. And he needs to be in complete control. I'm talking about complete control of our lives leading, guiding, and directing us at every asset of our life, every every turn of our life, everything that we do should be uh, orchestrated by the Lord and we following his instructions. And this is going to keep us out of trouble. This is going to keep us out of death. This is going to eventually give us everlasting life. But we have to stay within those realms that God has set up for us to stay in. We have to stay in that, that life that God has described in his word. We have to be that person that lives that life that, that God can, uh, can be proud of us that we're living. That, that, 
that life where there is no sin and where there is no malice and where there is no hatred and where there is no uh, all these other things that, that goes on in the world. We need to come out from among the world and we need to be a separated people. And that's what these, these are. They're separated because they, they cannot go to the land of their possession. They cannot go back to where they live because this accident happened and they have to stay in that one place. We have to stay in that one place. That's called the center of God's uh, will. That's where we need to stay. And he said these, these people, he said, as long as they stay in that city, they work in that city, they live in that city, they're fine. But if they ever get caught outside of that city, see, that's, that's when we get in trouble. It's when we get outside of God's will. When we get we get to the point to where that you know that we are outside of God's will and we're we're chasing everything and we're chasing our lust and we're lusting after things of the world and we get outside of God's will. That's when Satan has his free reign. He can he can attack us at any time when we get outside of God's will. So that's the reason why it's important to stay in God's will, and you know. I know, I know, I harp on this a lot about doing the will of God and standing God's will, but listen, people, it's time that we get serious about Christian life. It's time that we get serious about our salvation. It's time that we get serious about living for the Lord because time is getting short, and there's going to be a day one of these days when the Lord is going to split the eastern sky and he's going to come after a people that had got the blood applied to them lives. You know, when the death angel passed over Egypt and you had the door, the blood on the doorpost and the lintel and the, and the death angel seen it, he passed over you. This time when Jesus himself comes back on the clouds to get his people, if you have the blood applied to your life, he is going to take you to heaven. If you don't, you're going to be left. It's that simple. So we need we need to be part of the Lord wants us, and we need to be doing what the Lord wants us to do. You know, some things that the Lord wants us to do is so simple. I mean, you know, clean the church, clean mow the yard, mow the churchyard, uh, help out your neighbors, uh, just. Go around with a smile on your face and let people know that just exactly where you stand and let people know about Jesus and what he can do for them. And, you know, and then sometimes it gets a little bit more. We, we have to do a lot of praying. We become prayer warriors. We become people that other people can call when they have a need and there's something going on in their life and, and they need to get in touch with God. And they're in a place to where that it, it just feels like that the Lord's not around anywhere and, and, and he's, he's far off and family's left him and everything. They can call this one person, this prayer warrior, this person that they know that can get a prayer through to the Lord no matter what's going on. And they call that person, and they that person prays with them. You would be surprised how much that helps. That that little prayer with somebody over the telephone, or going to their house and praying with them, 
you'd be surprised how much that that makes how much better that they feel. That's that one thing that will kickstart them and get them to moving back to the place that they need to be. But you know, these cities of refuge, places that they live in. Moreover, ye shall take no satisfaction for the life of a murderer, which is guilty of death, but he shall be surely put to death. And ye shall take no satisfaction for him that is fled to the city of his refuge, that he should come again to dwell in the land until the death of the priest. Oh, I've heard so many times, and I've said it myself. I've said it myself. He got just exactly what he deserved. It couldn't happen to a nicer person. I've said I've said both of them many a time. But you know what? It, that that's that's as far from being right as as it can get. Because we need instead of running that person down and talking about that person, we need to be on our knees talking to God about that person. Because if they have done something to get themselves into that position, they need prayer. They need salvation. They need God. They, they need uh, resurrecting. And ch- children of God, if, we, if all we ever do is make fun of people like that and never pray for them, they're not going to get any better. They're going to still be the same person and do the same things until we... As children of God, do something. Get up off of the seat, lose a little sleep, push back a meal or two, and pray for people, and reach out to God for people. And don't take satisfaction in in their incarceration or, or things that has come against them for things that they've done. No, it, it's, it's, it's not good that it happened to them. It's not good that it happened to anybody. But we need to pray for them. So ye shall not pollute the land wherein ye are. For blood, it defileth the land, and the land cannot be cleansed of the blood that is shed therein, but by the blood of him that shed it. Defile not therefore the land which ye shall inherit, wherein I dwell, for I, the Lord, dwell among the children of Israel. For I, the Lord, dwell among my people. The Bible says, where there is two or three gathered in my name, I'll be in the midst of them. So yes, he, he is with us at all times. The only time that he's not with us is when we leave him. And sooner or later, we're going to have to realize exactly what we've done. And we're going to have to come back to that place for that we left him and asked him to forgive us for leaving and asked him to restore us. <coughs> Excuse me. But I thank you all for listening today, and I hope you all got something out of this. And just whenever you get a chance, just pray for me and pray for my podcast and that the Lord will just use it for his glory. And that, that's, what it, that's what it's all about. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about salvation. It's about 
teach, telling somebody about a better way to live. Oh, it's not all glory and, and roses and all that. Just remember, roses has thorns. So, you know, I've been stuck a many a time by roses. Love roses. But there are also some thorns in them. So remember that. Until the next time, I hope that God blesses you all in a great and a mighty way. And thank you.